Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank Curry, and we come at you every Monday, every Thursday on WGR550.com. All right, Frank. So the Sabres actually did the thing. They won. After they got spanked by Chicago, sparking a rare reaction podcast from me. Yes. And then they go ahead and they win against Minnesota when practically the entire GR on-air staff is at the game. (laughs) So to say that I've been Uh, pretty involved these last couple of games is an accurate statement. I'm laughing for a different reason on the game. Not. Uh, I'm laughing because there's something happened (laughs) in the game. It didn't happen in the game, Frank. Yes, it did. You laughed at – you're laughing at something that I know you're referencing. It didn't happen in the game. It happened during the broadcast. <laughs> not, it, didn't, it wasn't a part of the game. Yes, exactly. It didn't happen in the game. <laughs> that's, what was, that's what I meant. Yeah, but it wasn't <laughs> in the game. First off, shame on them for having the camera on us for longer than five seconds. We work in radio for a reason. I mean, yes. Second off, true. when we're all done waving and all now just suddenly sitting there awkwardly. I also wasn't there. Yes. But again. Which, a little jealous at. Again, when we're done waving and now all now we're all just sitting there awkwardly, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And that's why you hit him with it. Derek dabbed. I dabbed. I did. On TV. I'm not ashamed. Live TV. I'm not ashamed of this. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of this. You can laugh at me all you want. I did it because I punished them for having us on for 10 seconds. I'm not laughing at you for dabbing. You're laughing at the fact that it happened. Yes. I'm laughing at the fact that somebody dabbed on live TV at a Sabres game. It just so happened to be you. If it was some random guy, I'd be laughing just as hard. Okay, but let's be real about something. Would you have expected it to be anyone else? Maybe. From the GR team? Not from the GR team. I'm just talking anybody. Anybody at the game. There you go. How's that? That's what I'm... From anyone else in that suite, who else would you have even suspected to be anywhere close to that territory? Louis. That's it. And he chastised me. He, yeah. went at, he came at me. He would do it, though, if he could. Nope, because he went at me for it. But because he, he was probably also thinking, damn, I was going to do that. Nope, <laughs> he was just like, "Are you, you're the worst. That is what happened. <laughs> that is what it was said. He would do it, though. You know what? Louis would do it at an Eagles game. Yes. Louis would do it where Or he's... at a Sixers game. Again. I don't regret anything. No, I wouldn't regret it. If anyone it wants to make fun of me for it, bring it at Derek Kramer WGR. Yeah, I dabbed. There are gifts of it too. There are. And I'm proud of that. 
because I knew the minute that Ben Matthewson yeah. <laughs> put the gif of all of us out there, I'm like, all right, I'm just waiting for the other part. Yeah. And that's when my phone died. <laughs> and again, I regret nothing. It was, it was really fun. I regret nothing. No, I, you, you shouldn't. It was a, it's it was hilarious. A good, it was a good game, by the way. Yeah. Let's, let's touch let's, on let's, that part let's go real on quick. The game now. Yeah. Let's touch on that part real quick. I mean, Minnesota is, at the current standing, a playoff team. Buffalo is a team fighting for the playoffs. The Sabres are getting off their offensive wheels going. Secondary scoring is coming. It's, at it's getting there. Decent yeah, parts there. now. It's We're seeing goals from Rodriguez, mm-hmm. C.J. Smith, and then you split up the line of Eichel and Reinhardt, and Sam Reinhardt's potting one in. Darlene, the defense is still very involved. Jake McCabe's pass to Reinhardt. Are you kidding me? Oh, That was brilliant. You're getting scoring from places where Jeff Skinner's been noticeably quiet lately in the goal column. Yeah, he's slowing down a little he's bit. He's slowed down a little bit. He still has 31 goals right now. He still has 31 He's goals. still going to get to 40 at the end of the season. But, again, Jeff Skinner is a little quiet right now. And that has nothing to do with struggles. I think the guy has been playing well. It's just – And it's really not – it's really not all that much. I mean, he's got two goals in nine games. That's that's a rough stretch for him this year. Yeah. That tells you the year he's having. Yeah. But he still has 31 goals. He still has 47 points in 52 games. He's he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. It's just – He'll get you it know, going. You know, in the goal scoring column, he's slowed down a little bit. But the team's scoring has not. They're getting goals from other places. Evan Rodriguez in the last nine games has six, for example. Yep. Which I'm pretty sure that leads the team because that's a hard pace to match. That's Jeff Skinner early in the season. Mm-hmm. But the Sabres are getting secondary scoring. Right now, the only problem with them is that they are a defensive travesty. We're all sitting there in this suite and saying, okay, how many goals is going to win this thing? Four? We all agreed on four. Well, we were technically right-ish. Four goals in regulation, and then they go to the shootout. But the Sabres have had a lot of problems defending lately, and it's showing. Yeah, and it comes it comes down to a lot of what uh, we were talking about on the last podcast is that they're not simplifying their game. No, and they're still trying to overcomplicate things. I know you and Joe last night on the nightcap were talking about Ristolainen, and with Rasmus Ristolainen, it's always an interesting debate. I think he's one of the more polarizing players on that defensive core. His numbers, his advanced statistics. His analytics are terrible. Yes. Always. There always are. However, I don't see a guy who's terrible. I see a guy who can play on the top line, probably better off on the second pairing. I see a guy that his main weakness is getting it out of the zone in a and calm, I think a collective lot of, manner. And I think a lot of I think a lot some of the other player defensemen on the team, minus Dalene. Have make the same mistakes. It's it's decision making. It's just Ristolainen getting out of the zone. That is my only issue with him. I do not have a problem with him in the offensive zone. I don't even have a problem with him when he's defending in the defensive zone. It's just the breakout. 
he's not a breakout defender. Yeah. He's not a guy that can get your puck out of the zone and make sure that you have possession getting out of the zone. He could be a guy that next thing you know, he's flipping it out. And sometimes the Risto flip works. Next thing you know, the Sabres come out on an interesting little chance. Other times it's just, well, they have it now back at their own blue line. You got the change. Good work. But you don't have the puck. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my only problem with Rasmus Ristolainen at this point. He's physical. He is skilled. He can score. He can help out distributing. He just can't break out for you. He's not the guy to break out, which is why it's strange that he and Darlene do not work well together. Because Darlene is the ultimate breakout defender. Yeah, that's weird. I know I'm guaranteed <laughs> offensive possession. But in then the again, other zone. I, then again, you then again you you can see it because if Darlene is the guy you want with the puck behind your net, so you can start a breakout. What's Ristolainen going to do? There are two players I can guarantee offensive zone possession, leaving from the defensive zone. They are Jack Eichel and Rasmus Darlene. Yeah. Everyone else, I'm not going to be able to guarantee that I'm going it's to have guarantee. the puck. A lot of guys are more higher chances of that, but not. But they're not Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin. Exactly. When those guys have the puck on the stick in the defensive zone, I am thinking, all right, let's see what they do now in the offensive zone because they're going to get a shot chance here. Yeah. With Ristolainen, it's always the same thing. If he's in a panic, he's going to send it up the wall. Yeah. Which is not an incorrect thing to do, by the way. No, but... It's not because of the fact that a winger is always supposed to be at that half wall. No, but the he also needs is, to know where his, uh, his teammates are. That is exactly it. He's got to pick his head up and figure it out. Yes, is there supposed to be someone there? Yeah. But, but is that the case? But just supposed to be someone there doesn't mean there always is. Yeah. Is that always going to be the case? No. Sometimes they're trailing that defender if they're trying to get greedy and get into the slot. Yeah. Sometimes they're just trying to cover for something else that's going on. Like they're trying to cover for another player who's going off on a line change. Exactly. Like there's things about it that you can't once just again, whip it up the wall every again, time. Once again, though, when it comes to Ristolainen, when it comes to guys like Bogosian, Scandella especially, it's all decision-making. They their decision-making is not that good. That doesn't mean that you got to get rid of these guys, that they're never going to make the right decisions. But it just means – it's more it just means it's not something where a lot of practice isn't going to fix it. It is a lot, what it is. It is it is what it is. But you got to but that means that at some point it's either going to have to be Housley or it's got to be whoever these guys train with in the off season have got to start work it's got to start working on their mental aspect of the game. Dude, they're professionals. They've gotten and they're, to this point. Yeah. But, I don't know if I don't know if the decision making is really going to get that much better for guys like Bogosian or Scandala or McCabe. Like they've been there for such a long time now that you Yeah, know, I agree. But my big thing is always going to be this. With Rasmus it's something Ristolainen, that you can at least work on. With with Rasmus Ristolainen, he is a guy that I would go forward with. Oh yeah. I would gladly have him anchoring my second pair. Yeah. Have Darlene with someone and have someone skating with Darlene on that first pair. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone with Rasmus Ristolainen on that second pair. And guess what? You're set on yeah. your top four. Yeah. Is it Lawrence Pilot? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The kid has struggled at times. And, yes, he's an analytics wonder, but 
he's not been a it's world the same ender thing, though. His decision ma- a lot of times his decision making he's just isn't not there. as he's not able to handle the physical uh, aspect a lot. He's a yeah. smaller frame. He's going to get knocked around, and if a team is heavy on the forecheck and heavy on hitting on the forecheck, he's gonna it's going to cause problems. He's going to get rid of the puck quicker. Yeah, it's going to cause problems. Yeah, and that's the goal of a forecheck, of course. Yep. Uh, my big thing is this: Look, Lawrence Pilot is not a world ender. Let's stop acting like he is. Um, Sabres Twitter's kind of driving me crazy on that. Yeah, I mean, Pilot is not a lock to be a top four defenseman in this league. Hell, in the preseason this this year, yeah, he's looked a lot like he looked like amazing. But in the prospects tournament, he looked lost. It's not like this guy is a surefire thing. Is it a great thing to kick tires on a 22-year-old who's been playing professionally in Sweden? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Great, great little two-year deal. Yeah, especially when since you put in, when you put in Rogers, he had 22 points in 16 games. So he knows what he's doing with the puck. Yeah, but strangely enough, it's it's really the thing of. He's still not like he's still adjusting to the NHL speed. The he's NHL still game is, is so much more different than the AHL game. The step up is incredible. Yeah. So give it that a break. That was why my that's why my thing with Pilot being scratched is just I get it. I get why. He's has he been good? Yeah, he's been good. But he hasn't been you could play him every game good. Not yet. Not yet. And here's the thing. Yes, he's played professionally in Sweden. I get that. He was defenseman of the year in the SHL. I get that. But you want to know something else? He's still 22 years old. Yeah. It's not like it's a guarantee that he's going to already have made the transition. And he hasn't. He hasn't fully made it. A lot of people really don't understand that the AHL game and the Swedish and the SHL game, that's the Swedish Hockey League, and even the top league in Finland – and even the KHL are all pretty similar on this, on a similar level. The KHL is kind of the in between, and then you have the NH, you have the NHL. You probably have the KHL, and then the AHL, SHL, Liga. European hockey is also different, and European hockey ice. also plays different. But I'm talking in terms of I'm talking in terms of speed, similar similar levels. Because one thing I one thing I notice about Pilot playing in Rochester, he's got a lot of space. Teams aren't giving he players give him a lot of space to work with, and that's a, that was what that was something that helped make him so successful in Rochester. That also helped made him successful in Sweden. Yes, yeah, so let's. Bump and then the, once he and then once he gets to the NHL, that space disappears. So let's pump the brakes on Lawrence Pilot being scratched, being this egregious offense from Phil Housley. You want to get on Housley for things? That's fine. I'm not getting on him yet for that. Why? Because Pilot very quickly found himself back in the lineup. And yeah. has not been scratched for any reason. Yeah, like, yeah like he didn't play, play all that great against Minnesota. Guess what? He's not seeing the press box here tonight. Yeah. Huh. Funny. It's like Housley just wants to rotate some guys in. Yeah. Nathan Bully still continues to not get ice time, though, by the way. So you better you better believe at this point a trade's happening. A trade's happening, and they and they really believe that Nelson will be back soon. Especially since Nelson is skating again in practice. Yeah, so that that kind of that that's kind of what it tells you that they're kind of sheltering Bullyu. So Buffalo and Carolina tonight, another big game. This one is far more important, far more bigger than Minnesota. Yes, obviously you needed two points out of that game, but you definitely want two points in regulation in this one. Yes, the only lineup changes. 
Larson in, Thompson out. Yeah, I'm surprised at that. I'm not. Thompson kind of played Thompson himself. did struggle, yes. He kind of played himself out of it in that third period. A I lot of times that. in that game, he was still he was back to that one too many stick handles. He had a great opportunity in the slot in the third period, and he should have just ripped it. Mm-hmm. And he put one too many puck handles on it, gets blocked. Okay. So Thompson kind of stick handled his way into the press box on that one. And something Paul Hamilton said yesterday kind of makes me think that this is the case. Tage Thompson will thrive better in a top-nine role rather than on the bottom line. He's not a bottom-line guy. Absolutely. So unless Kyle Oposo struggles and goes ahead and gets himself put back onto the fourth line, and then you can see like a Vlad Saboka or Gergensen's or Larson get scratched in this instance, Thompson and C.J. Smith are going to be battling for time on the third line. You know what? That's good. It's a good problem to have. Need, it's a good problem to have, and you need those, you need those battles because it gets more out of players. And C.J. Smith has always had a sneaky good shot. Yeah. NHL caliber. Yeah. So right now the line. So right now the expected lines for today are Skinner, Eichel, Palmaville. So Welcome Skinner back, I, J. Crew. The J. Crew is back. So Skinner back with Eichel right away. It took all of two periods. It took all two periods. Yeah. Sherry, Middlestad, Reinhardt. And then, you know, with Thompson out, you have – and Larson's back in, so Larson, Saboka, Gergensen's is the fourth line. And then Smith, Apostol, Rodriguez. The way Rodriguez has played, I'm kind of confident in that third line. I'm feeling good too, yeah. Middlestad has picked his game up since the bye week. Yes. And being able to put him with Reinhardt, who has kind of ditched that narrative of he can only score with Eichel. I'm not – it's not fully there, but he's 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 kind of ditched he's gearing it. towards it. He's kind of ditched it. He's gearing towards it, like it's fading in the rearview mirror. Yeah, it's beginning. It's in the beginning stages of its fading. I don't know, man. He's got forty-seven points on the season. He hasn't been exclusively on Eichel's line for all year. It's not a like lot he's of it been... though, but a lot of it has come with Eichel. A large portion of this season, he's, he's got been some with Eichel. of them. Yes, without like he played great Tuesday. He had a great game on Tuesday. He helped carry a line on Tuesday. Yes. Now let's see if he can continue it. So that's where I mean, like, he's getting – he's gearing towards that he doesn't need Eichel to succeed narrative. But the big thing is that he hasn't been a flop without him this year either. That's true too. Yeah. Like, he's been fine. But that's – but just because he's been fine doesn't mean he's been great. But you can ditch the narrative. Is he, a, think, is he a $8 million per year player yet? No. 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 But, but I do say that he's definitely able to work the second line by himself. But if he can't – so that's the thing. That's the thing, though. Reinhardt got a majority of his offense from being on the top line with Eichel and Skinner. And that, in turn, kind of left your middle six – it's no wonder we had a, a lot of depth, wasteland. It, a barren wasteland. Exactly. It's no wonder we had problems with depth scoring in the middle of the season. Now it's starting to come back a little bit, and now you put Reinhardt on a lo- on a line with middle stats, so you can get, and now see if he can he can get that line going. I think that Reinhardt is. I, I think that's why I think I think the Tuesday game, if it continues, that's the start of it. Now he's got to be able to continue it before we can fully get rid of the narrative. I think it's been happening quietly this season. 
It's been something that's been around. Like he's been able to do things. It was a slow start to the season this year, but for example, when Eichel was injured, Reinhardt was there putting up the points and yeah. still helping getting Skinner the puck, for example, in pot and goals. So it's not like Reinhardt has been a nothing by himself without Eichel this year. He's been fine. So I think the narrative can go ahead and get ditched. The question now becomes, what's he going to be worth in a couple of years? We'll have to see. And if he could put point production up without Jack Eichel, that's going to be a huge step in his next contract. And it would be a huge step to see where Reinhardt fits in the core. Yeah. I like my chances there with Sam Reinhardt. I think that he's fine. I think that the narrative is dying. It's pretty much something that we could kind of leave that alone for now because we have bigger issues to deal with. And if Casey Milstead has turned a corner, him and Reinhardt on the second line, not a bad duo to have. You'd have Skinner with Eichel, you get have Reinhardt with Middlestead, and oh, hey, it's like everything that we all drew up at the beginning of the season. Look at that. The dream, the dream scenarios are finally coming together, Frank. Vlad Saboka's finally in the fourth line. Um, Darlene's getting all the... Darlene's starting to lead the team in ice time amongst defensemen. Eichel's still doing Mr. Everything. Reinhardt is doing fine without Eichel mm-hmm. when called upon. Middlestat's coming around now. Everything's kind of coming together a little bit, piece by piece. Yeah. The only thing that hasn't been coming together is the team defending on a consistent basis, and you're not getting the timely save as often. Don't say that about Minnesota on Tuesday night, though, because Lena Solmark was on. He let in four goals, but how many of them were really his fault? There wasn't really that one. Okay, there was one regrettable goal, the one that was the wraparound. You need to get over on time in that, and you're a big goal. You should be able to do so. So that that's probably, probably the one that Olmark wants back. You probably just lost sight. You didn't know where it was, nor where the puck was. But that's the one that Olmark would want back. Yeah. First one's a tip. Gergensen's plays the puck properly, um, and is the guy near his man. First one didn't spurt and knock that one out of the air too. Yeah, because Gergensen Gergensen's was on him. Plays the puck. It bounces off of Gergensen's stick into the air. Spurgeon bats it midair, and Minnesota ties it. Yeah. It's like okay, you can't do anything about that one. Second Spurgeon goal. The wraparound. The, yeah, that's that's the one you want back. The third goal was a bit of a tough one. I mean, Pilot was kind of victimized in the corner, you know, like getting beat up by Jordan Greenway. Next thing you know, scramble in front, and it's in the net. Because Allmark saves this puck, but then it squirts through him, and it, hit, it looks like it's going to hit the post and get cleared out. But then Charlie Coyle comes storming in. By the way, Charlie Coyle looked pretty good in Buffalo. Nudge, nudge. Stop. And, you know, next thing you know, that's Minnesota's third goal. Fourth goal, you've got two of your worst players on the freaking ice in a six-on-five situation along with Jack Eichel there on the forward line. And, unsurprisingly, they score. It was a bit of a fluky goal, too. Again, Prize was jamming it. Prize jammed at it. The puck just literally rolled up Olmark's pad and barely over the goal line. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just, just at that moment, I, that one's just more flu- of fluky. But then yeah. again, that's kind of what Prize does. And again, you also had two of your worst players on this roster defending in that six on five. 
I said it. And then there was the overtime thing. When Vlad Saboka goes out there to take a draw, loses the draw, gets the puck back, turns it over, gets bailed out by Olmark. If Saboka wanted to try to help his case there to Phil Housley, he didn't do it on that overtime shift. A lot of people were like, why the hell is he out here? And then moments later, he proves that everyone was right for questioning it. My biggest thing was, I mean, the only th- you you the only thing who do you you could put you you had Rodriguez, so he could have taken the draw. Let me tell you about something with the Sabers in the draw this year. They're all bad. Saboka's the only one over fifty percent. Congrats, that's it. Everyone else is just not good at it. Yeah. So guess what? Does it really matter when he's only three percentage points over the next person? No. This isn't Ryan O'Reilly over here we're talking about. Yeah. It's not that Sabuka's that much better at the draw. By the way, I hope I get a top five pick out of you, St. Louis, because you so deserve it the way you've shafted us in this deal, giving us Berglund and Sabuka. I get that's what we needed to get that pick, but oh, it better be freaking worth it. Because, damn it! But if St. Louis, those two, but if that pick is have a top hurt. five pick, oh, I know. Then... I'm talking about if they punt it to next year. I hope that pick's a top five pick. Mm. I want a top five pick. Go to hell, Blues. Yes, I know that without the Ryan O'Reilly trade, we don't get Jeff Skinner. But at the same time, damn it, I wanted more out of these two players. I expected more out of the two players in Berkeley. Yeah, and we did. Yeah, we did. I expected more than four freaking goals. Might yeah. be five. How many did Berglund have in his limited time? Three. Oh, so we got six. We're moving on up in the world. Something like that. Double check that on Berglund. Saboka has three goals all season. Two in one game. In a back and forth affair against Montreal. Which all of them in Mon- against Montreal were back and forth affairs. But, man... Saboka is just rough. He is a less creative Johan Larson. I can trust Johan Larson with the puck more than I can Vladimir Saboka. And it's rough. It's rough watching him with the puck. It's rough watching a guy like Tage Thompson, who you'd like to see develop a little bit more offensively. Berglund at two. So we had five so we got five goals from the St. Louis guys that are Berglund and Saboka. Yeah. Thompson's a nice piece. The first-round pick better be worth it at this point. It's a first-round pick is always worth it. It's I know, not- but you gotta like we gotta make them look real bad on that because I want vengeance for what they sent us. As you can tell, I don't like Saboka or Berglund. I mean, of you course, nobody. You can't be. You can't be. I don't like how the Berglund situation played out. How's yeah, that? The, you had the Berglund situation with, and I don't like there, how Saboka's but- played. Yeah. He's been garbage. He's been garbage. Thing. He's been garbage. That's the thing. He's garbage. He's bad. How did he get that contract? What the hell were they thinking in St. Louis? What drugs were they on? And no, I, I'm not asking a follow-up. I, I think what it, I think what it was is the system. St. Louis is not was never really. Is, was St. Louis always is St. Louis always a fast team? They that had that. Or trying to be a fast team. Speed is not the problem here. Frank, look at the look at the season Saboka has before his contract extension. 
What makes him get that money? Other than Jack Squat. They were drunk dealing there. So he got his current contract in 2017, after the 2017 season. Yeah, and what was his points production there? That year. He had a whopping? That year he was in the KHL. Awesome. Where he had 30 points in 41 games. In the Great. KHL. So we got duped by Russian hockey. Well, Spoka's always been like a weird player too, because he, because he was with Boston, he was with St. Louis, and then he went went to the KHL, and then he came back. I don't understand it. How he gets that money is beyond me. I mean, three and a half's not a lot. It's a decent amount for a guy who gives you nothing. I mean, yeah, it's bad now. At the time, though, honestly, I could, I totally see it. I don't, because they wanted to get him, get rid of him immediately in this deal. Well, yeah, because they were remorse. like, "Oh, we could get right. Oh, we could get Ryan O'Reilly." Yeah. No, no, no. That wasn't about it, Frank. That was the stipulation to get a first round pick was to take the contracts of Saboka and Berglund. Because they had buyer's remorse because they were drunk dealing. They're not good players, and there's a reason they were included. I'm not saying they're good players, too. I'm not. They were bad contracts. There's a reason they were included in the deal. And now we're painfully seeing why. But now he's on the fourth line. Just like how Berglund ended up on the fourth line. We'll see what happens there. But it's... yeah. But we expected these St. Louis centers to at least hopefully we also, build the 2-3 C in the meantime while middle stats getting used to everything. We also expected both of them to be 30-point players. That's not a hard reach. No, it's not. That's not a lot to ask. I would have liked more than five goals at more than the halfway point of the season. Saboka's played double the amounts of games that Berglund has. He has one more goal. Yeah. I would have liked to see something out of these guys. So that's why I want that pick to hurt St. Louis. Damn it. I contained my rage on this when we were talking about Saboka yesterday on the nightcap. So there it is. Here's my anger. Now, the Sabres need to beat the freaking Carolina Hurricanes, who have suddenly become the new Florida Panthers. Why is it always the irrelevant teams that the Sabres have struggles with? They have lost seven straight to Carolina. Have not beaten them since March of 2016. Reasons. I don't know. Just. Like, damn, we're almost reaching three full years on this crap. Just and of course it's got to be Carolina, like who gets Florida. lucky with a staff infection to our top defenseman at that time because we're so banged up that we're playing guys that are 11th and 12th in the organization. All Screw right. off, Carolina, because you got a rookie, lucky rookie season out of Cam Ward and he was never the same player since because he's garbage and he always was garbage. I'm glad you brought back Whalers tonight, but your organization can go to hell for your Stanley Cup. You are salty tonight. I am. Man, what happened? 
high sodium intake. I ate some crackers. Are these legitimate reasons for you? Or should I keep making up these lies? Keep making up lies. <laughs> I went to the beach. Did you see something you didn't want to see? No. I'm just trying to think of more excuses. Okay. Either way, Hurricanes can go to hell. Why do the Sabres have to keep losing to the irrelevant franchises? And, oh, right, the big thing, of course, being that you're tied in the standings. You need to put them down a rung. Because the last thing you need is to be the 10th team in this playoff race. Which, oh, by the way, an 11th team has emerged into the picture. Yes, Frank, I see the face you're making. I know, Philly. Philly's ripped off an eight-game win streak. It's great to be in a playoff conversation when you rip off a long win streak, isn't it, huh? I thought Philly was banished to the depths of hell because of gritty. Next thing you know, they've stormed back because Carter Hart is what as advertised. Yeah. Huh. Funny how Philly just needed a goalie. Philly just needed a goalie. They huh. have the- Funny. They have the top end talent. They ha- yeah, it's like they've always had the talent there. That said, they I'd just like, needed a goalie. That said, I'd like for Philly to kind of you know go ahead and moisten themselves back out of the equation. Get out of here. I don't need you here. They might still trade Wayne Simmons. I don't like even if they do or they don't. Get out of my get out of my rearview mirror. Get away. I don't like you. You know we're talking. You know you're talking about these teams that are behind us. Not you don't want them to catch up. You got to remember too. The Sabres best way to make do the, that is to win. Best way to do that one is to win, but also you got to hope a team falls out. Columbus is doing it. They had a five-game slide. They just broke that streak. Yep. But now Columbus is suddenly a three-point team away from Buffalo and Carolina, and they're farther off from the uh, Atlantic Division. I mean, the Metropolitan Division than they'd like to be. And quite frankly, they're playing the worst amongst all those teams in the Metro. They are the team that's not the lock. And again, as we've talked about them, Frank, if it means a date with the Tampa Bay Lightning, just get rid of Panarin and Borowski before you deal with losing (laughs) them for nothing. It's like I'm just going to keep coming back to this until something actually happens. Yeah. Neat. By the way, what the hell is going on in Toronto? Matthews, you want to talk about the Matthews contract? Matthews gets the five-year deal. Yeah. Which is already head-scratching enough as it is. You know why? Because if Toronto wanted to sign him to an eight-year deal, but Matthews would have wanted $15 million or $14 million. Dude, all you do is score goals. You don't pass the puck. You don't need $15 million. Or he's planning to go home. In five years. Wouldn't that be great? John Tavares goes home and then they lose Austin Matthews who wants to go home to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) It would be great karma. But that's not what I'm talking about. Matthews signs the five-year deal, a little more than $11 million per season. Yep. That makes him uh, second highest average annual value now behind McDavid. Yes. I want to say yes. Yes. But now we're seeing a bit of a hypocritical agent representing one Mitchell Marner. 
During the season, Marner's agent says, uh, we're going to negotiate during the summer because we don't want this to become a distraction for Mitch. We, you know how, he's an RFA, so he still leaves rights. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know I'm going to do a 180 because now the fact that Tavares signed that mega deal and now Matthews has signed a deal that's not team-friendly. Oh, I'm going to go go ahead and bitch to the media. Oh, they're looking for Mitch to go ahead and take the team discount. First off, if that's true, I hope this gross incompetence goes back and bites the Leafs in the ass. Second for, off, also, he literally said, yeah, we don't want this to be a distraction to Mitch. Yeah, it won't be a distraction to Mitch if you negotiate during the season because you're his agent. You do the negotiating. Yeah, he just plays the hockey. Yeah. But now, now you have become the problem. You know, sir. It, you know, it, it that tells that kind that tells me that Marner wants ten. That's what they're gonna that's what their starting point is. And the Leafs probably are only willing to offer eight. You know, the strangest thing is they were playing hardball with Nylander. Yeah. And the whole time, though, we heard nothing in the media about it. The day after Matthews gets the extension, Marner's agent puts up a stink publicly. This one's going to get ugly. Like, the Nylander thing, dude didn't come back till halfway through the season. Or, no, not halfway, but like two December. months into the season. Yeah. Well, I think— What's and this going to mean for Marner? A lot of that, too, is because Nylander's in Sweden. Again, they were playing hardball, though. It didn't go public, but they wanted their money. What happens here with Marner, where they are now when going Marner, public? When Mar- because Marner, too, also is from the area. He's, oh, yeah, he's from, I think he's from the area, but he lives in Canada. But as long as he's not. So he's, to- so the media is going to be there all the time around him. My big thing is still this. The media for if, Nylander if wasn't always agent, there. If Nylander's agent. Nylander's agent to- was also his dad. Okay, but still, if you wanted to make a stink about it, you could have. It's Michael Nylander. Dude, well, he obviously did because Nylander, did. Nylander waited to almost the very last day to sign. I know, but I'm saying, dude did some things in the NHL. If he wanted to put a stink into the media, he could have. He didn't. It didn't get ugly. It's already ugly with Marner. So you know what this means. Offer sheet. Offer sheet. Offer sheet. Offer sheet. It might happen. It legit might happen. Someone needs to put the dagger into Toronto this summer or so. Help me God. Might happen. Legit. Yeah. I need this. Inject it right into my veins. And then go after Tampa while we're at it, too, for Braden Point. (laughs) That'd be interesting. Things would be fun. Let's make it fun. Let's have a flair for the dramatic again. The last person to sign an offer sheet was Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, was it really him? And then Colorado stupidly matched it because if that if if the Calgary offer sheet were to go through, he would have been subject to waivers. I know. And they I would know. have had to give up a first and a third for Ryan O'Reilly to go to waivers and get claimed by someone. <laughs> yeah, Ryan O'Reilly was the last player to sign an offer sheet. I thought it was Shea Weber. Whoever was before that. Was it before? Yeah. Because hmm. O'Reilly, it happened during the lockout. Yeah. The second lockout. Yeah. The half-season lockout. Yeah, I know. Because he was on loan with someone, he would have had to been subject to waivers. Whoever was before that season. Hmm. Okay. 
which I'm sure the Canadiens will go ahead and uh, be regretting that soon enough. They'll curse the Flyers' name. <laughs> and the last player to go to a different team because of an offer sheet is Dustin Penner. Oh, my God, yeah. Let's get at it, guys. Come on. Bring me the petty. I want to see the petty wars when uh, you see David Backus get tagged because uh, Ryan Kessler got tagged with an offer sheet. Literally the only reason that Vancouver and St. Louis went back and forth on it is because it happened to one team. St. Louis went after Ryan Kessler, and then the Canucks go, oh, yeah? We're going to go ahead and sign David Backus to an offer sheet. Have fun matching it, you jerks. And St. Louis goes, fine, I guess we're going to have to do that because we deserved it. But I want to see more of this. Come on, give me some hatred. They don't punch each other on the ice anymore. Not as often. I mean, not that I'm not okay with it. I mean, more goals, less fighting. I'm okay with that. I'm cool. Call me a softie. Don't care. But you know what I would like to see? Since you're not going to be punching people in the face as much on the ice anymore, bring the level of petty to the front office. Let's really get something real here. Let's see this stuff with Mitch Marner happening. Watch, I say all this, and then something's going to come back and bite the saber somehow, and I'm going to go ahead and scream about it. Darlene gets offered. She did two years from now. That's not going to matter. Well, there's nobody really... The only person on the Sabres worth offer sheeting is probably Jake McCabe. And again, if you have, if you sign Darlene to an offer sheet first off, well, the Sabres, that's your fault. Yeah. Because after two years, they will negotiate that extension. Oh, yeah. Probably same thing with Casey Middlestat. Yeah. So. I'm saying for this year at least. And again, I'm saying. This year at least, there's actually there's if two you guys. If you get yourself into a position to get offer sheeted and get got, you yeah. deserve to get got. To potentially get got, you did something wrong. Yes. If you put yourself in a spot to get got, you should get got. And Man, guess what? The Sabres are not in that position. To do that. The Maple Leafs are in that position. The Lightning are in that position. And guess what? Teams should not have mercy. Boston was in that position. You didn't do it, and Pasternak got a freaking team-friendly deal that is incredible to the production the man has. Yeah. If you put yourself in these bad positions, next thing you know, you divide the team by zero, and Shirelli breaks the Oilers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, this is what happens. Let's put some added pressure on these GMs. Make the job a little harder. Make it fun, damn it. Not that NHL free agency isn't fun, but it's just a lot of offers to guys that are 28 years old. And then contracts that everyone regrets after four years. Sometimes, in the case of the class of David Backus, Milan Lucic, and Kyle Oposo, it's three years. And you're already in regretville. Yeah. Which is strange, because Oposo's still the best point total guy of all of them. Oh my god. He is. Back is it's not even close. He's butt. And Lucic had a 50-point season, but then he followed it up with one of his worst seasons of his career. And then this year, he's just, he's on a poso level. Which a poso level this year is not good. A has been the most consistent of the group. Lucic had the best season. Backus, I don't know why he got that 
seven year deal, six million per. Boston was drunk at the Boston time. Boston also gave him five years, but even still. Oh, okay. But still, six not great. Million, five years for a thirty two year old. Pretty dumb. Yeah. And he's been healthy scratched this season. We haven't reached that with Kyle Poso. You won't reach that with Milan Lucic. Oh, by the way, speaking of Edmonton, can we laugh at Shirelli more? Sure. Because you want to know what's going on? I'm sure you know what's going on, Frank. Yeah. They can't get Andre Sikara off a long-term injured reserve. Yeah, I know. Because they're over the cap if they do it. Yeah, I know. And one of the more notable moves that they can do is send down either Brandon Manning or Alex Petrovic. I read it. Two it players that Shirelli had just no, traded no, 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 no. for. No, 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 no. I read it. It may have to be both. And again, they are two players Shirelli just traded for. The last two Shirelli trades. It is beyond incomprehensible why this man was allowed to do these things. I hate, you ready for a hot take? May only have to. Well, mm. Are you ready for a hot take, Frank? Go. I hate Peter Shirelli. Why? The man ruined a team that isn't yours. Here's why. The NHL cannot boast Connor McDavid on a nightly basis when the Edmonton Oilers are butt. And if they are booty, they will not be put on TV. If they are not put on TV, nobody sees the wonders of Connor McDavid. If Connor McDavid continues to rot up in northwestern Canada, does it matter that the best player is there if nobody can see it? That's like Le- the equivalent would be like LeBron James playing in Sacramento Phoenix. or Phoenix or Phoenix or I don't know where. I'd say Cleveland, but he literally took that team and made it relevant. Then again, LeBron James would also take Phoenix and make him relevant. It's like if LeBron James went to expansion Vancouver Grizzlies before they moved to Memphis. (laughs) How's that? Okay. There's your equivalent. Christ almighty, Peter Shirelli, you broke the NHL. And I kind of hate you for it because now you cannot showcase the best player in the game. Therefore, new fans will not go ahead and watch the best player in the game. Instead, you'll get Penguins Flyers for the 18th time this season. Or somehow the Rangers are on national television because they're in New York City and Edmonton's in Western Canada. But don't worry. We get to watch Rangers Devils. Yay. Because again, Edmonton is trash. Because of you, Peter Shirelli, and now I kind of hate you for it because I'm now seeing the ramifications of your idiocy. I just, ugh. Peter Shirelli, man. Peter Shirelli. I wish I could have Oilers feel. This is how Oilers, Oilers fans feel. No, they feel a lot angrier and worse and probably a lot more curse words. Yeah, but you're there. I'm there for a different reason. I'm there because the NHL suffers as a product. I'm not there for Edmonton. I don't care about Edmonton. I care about Connor McDavid. It's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and a bunch of pylons and dudes from the rec center. And Milan Lucic being given a massive deal. That's it. That's what that team comprises of at this point. They give Miro Koskinen that three-year deal right before Shirelli's fired, and he's put up bad numbers since then. Ken Hitchcock is wanting someone to claim the crease between him and Cam Talbot. You know Talbot's not going to resign, and he's going to bolt after this year. Oh, yeah. He doesn't want any part of this disaster. When Cam Talbot playing so well was one of the reasons the Edmonton Oilers even made the playoffs a couple years ago. You look at that roster now in Edmonton, you think, wait, they made the playoffs a couple years ago? Oh, right, they have Conor McDavid. Man, it is gross. Beyond gross there in Edmonton. It's gross in Edmonton. It could get ugly in Toronto, which I'm savoring the opportunity. And hopefully it continues to get bad in Columbus so that they free fall out of the standings. Meanwhile, the Sabres try to beat Carolina for the first time in almost three years. Fantastic. Let's hit him with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast. Very hockey-heavy today. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And, well, in a couple of weeks, we'll be mixing things around with football, with hockey, but NHL I, trade deadline coming up in a couple weeks. Good. The NBA trade deadline's today, by the way. Actually, it is. So our sign off does not happen yet. You think anything happens with Anthony Davis? I think if it does, it's very last minute. Uh, I, think I don't know to- what time the actual deadline is. I think I want to say it's like four or five p.m. I think he finishes the season as a Pelican. I think he gets banished to that, and then they deal him in the off season. Well, isn't he a free agent? They often do sign and trades in the NBA. That's true. Yeah, that's true too. I don't know. No, that's I how think LeBron if, uh, James become, became a member of Miami Heat. It was a sign and trade. Yeah, I think if no, I I think if Davis gets, I think Davis gets traded, but it's probably going to be cl- very close to the deadline, and it's not going to be announced till probably like later tonight. Do you think Kyrie Irving gets traded from Boston? Uh, I don't think so. I'll give that a thirty percent chance. I get, yeah, I think I, I, I like that. Um, I wonder Kyrie, if that's actually happened during the broadcast, during the podcast, because uh, Woj bombs do not care about the time or place when they drop. Well, I will go on his Twitter right now and see. Well, there was a trade, but it's uh, it it did involve the Pelicans, but not Anthony Davis. <laughs> you know those trolls. <laughs> he did, he did. However, tweet nearly. Th- this was an hour ago. Nearly three hours away from the NBA trade deadline. So three p.m. is actually when the deadline is. And the Lakers, Pelicans, talks, Anthony Davis are dominant. League sources tell ESPN. No communication, nor an expectation that they'll even speak today. Pelicans seem content to run out the clock. 
That's why I think it's going to be a sign-and-trade in the offseason. So there you go, then. Because if they're not accepting the mega deal that the uh, Lakers offered, then what are they accepting? Yeah, that's true. Maybe they don't want LeVar Ball in New Orleans. Because Lonzo's part of the package. Well, apparently LeVar Ball doesn't want to be in New Orleans, too. He wants Lonzo in Phoenix. So LeVar is holding up the trade. <laughs> That's it. That dude's not important enough to hold off a trade. Or maybe no. the Pel- or maybe the Pelicans are like, nah, dude, we don't want Lonzo because of that guy. That could I c- be. I kind of hope that's the case. For a man to be so toxic that you don't want his son playing for your team would be quite incredible how much a man can suck. By the way, your thoughts on the Sabres wearing white at home today? Cool. That's all. Just cool. Should it happen more? I don't really care. I'm for it. I'm cool with it. Ha- I'm cool with it every once in a while, but I don't really think it matters. I feel like it'd be cool if they did blue versus red tonight. That'd be cool. I like that. I don't really think that because the what hurricanes jerseys they wear really matter that much as long as both teams aren't wearing white. Because I know that, the same color. Because I know Hurricanes ownership hates their white jerseys. That's why they have their reds tonight. But I feel like it'd be pretty cool to just have the colors facing off with each other. And instead of like a Instead of a team always having a white jersey, they can, but you can have a secondary color instead. You mean a third jersey? The white be the third jersey. Your second color being your secondary color being your second jersey. Oh, so you're saying switch the alternate switch alternates with whites? Yes, I'd be down for that. That'd be something pretty cool. TJ said something like that on Twitter, and Sabres I'm like, I'm okay with this. alternate jersey would be gold. And I would like to see what they could do with it. Yeah, I would too. Just don't put navy on the back of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holes. Or they start. You jackasses! Or they I can't s- believe they ruined. Wait, the only- wait. They ruined better idea. Yellow. Wait, better idea. Sabers alternate starts out as the royal blue, and then it becomes second. But have you ever played a game of royal blue versus blue? Like oh no, was, you can't. Like for example, if it was the Sabres against the Blues. Oh no, you wouldn't be able to do that. And the Sabres <laughs> have to wear white if they're on the road. But what I'm saying is, the royal a royal blue jersey starts out as its alternate. And if you maybe and if if they NHL at some point, but even royal blue versus navy blue, that's not something that would work. Well, no, that's why you have white. No, I know. I'm just I'm just making jokes here. Have you ever played to try? Have you ever tried to play a game of? Uh, Light green versus dark green? Yes. I make that reference because you and I have done that. Yes. It's not a pretty thing. But I do like the little concept there that TJ threw out there. It's uh, I like the concept. Yeah. There. Sabres do need to bring royal blue back. Yes. At some point. They do. I think they will. And I think that we are done for this episode. Thanks for listening on WGR550.com. Derek Kramer. Frank Gregory. And hopefully the Sabres go ahead and uh, get another valued two points in a big way tonight here against Carolina.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.